Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With me being the age that I am, having lived all this goth and post-punk the first time, I'm really coming from that place. And Chris and Anthony are significantly younger, and they're kind of coming from a different place where they didn't grow up with this the same music that I did. And so the combination becomes then what I consider to be something kind of unique because it's not driven by, by one thing.
Welcome to the Dreams of Consciousness podcast. If you'd be so kind, would you mind introducing yourself? My name is Edley O'Dowd. And Mr. O'Dowd, how would people know you? What projects, what musical projects would they know you from? Musical projects that people would know me from would be New York City's Toilet Boys and more internationally, Psychic TV with Genesis Briar P. Orridge. And in addition to those two projects, uh, those two bands, you also have a new project called Scorpion T. Is that correct? That's correct. Scorpion T, my brand new band with a debut album releasing on Friday, October 27th. And on your own, you're also an, an experimental and noise artist. Yes, I've been experimenting with sound for a while now, and particularly with some other work that I was doing with Genesis, Peorage. It's kind of an interesting conundrum because when Genesis passed away, I was sort of like, well, what do I do now musically? And so the first thing was to revisit that that sort of past and the stuff that Genesis had gotten me involved with and produced a solo album called Forward that came out earlier this year on a couple of different streaming platforms and formats. Now, from your work with The Toilet Boys to Psychic TV to Scorpion T to your own musical project, would you say that you, you dwell in any one area in terms of terms of genre? I don't, because for me, music, it's such a, a vast interest of mine and something that's been ongoing since I was very little. And so the, you know, while I grew up with kind of stadium rock and, and things that a lot of kids are into today, <laughs> which I find hilarious and interesting at the same time, but, you know, growing up on that sort of thing and then discovering punk in my teens, and late teens and kind of all of that melding together. I mean, if there was any genre that I had to say more specifically that I feel a part of, it would be rock, I guess. But yeah, I find it interesting to kind of play with different different types of genres. You you mentioned stadium rock. What what led you to to want to pursue music, to want to play music? <laughs> if I was to be completely honest, I would say it was the rock band Kiss, because that was my fascination when I was really little. So I wanted to be like Peter Chris. I wanted to, you know, wear cool costumes and play the drums, <laughs> <laughs> which kind of led to, you know, just a, a general fascination. I mean, I got a drum kit, piece of crap drum kit. My mom found it at a garage sale for 50 bucks when I was maybe like 11 or something and sat down, put my headphones on with my Cheap Trick Live at Budokan record. And I was like, I don't sound like this at all. I sound terrible. <laughs> and got disinterested. Put the, put the drums in the garage until I was about 15, 16 and joined a hardcore punk band. And I'm like, now we're talking. <laughs> now I can play. <laughs> you know? So it became very, very much like a self-taught thing that, you know, I just sort of learned by trial and error by putting a floor tom and a snare next to each other, learning how to play like Maureen Tucker, though I didn't even know who she was at the time, to eventually bringing the bass drum closer, bringing the cymbals in and being like, okay, how do I do this? And just kind of taught myself over the years. Now, why the drums? You said Peter Chris. Why not Gene Simmons or Ace Frehley? Well, because I guess when I was of a certain age, we're talking kind of like the early 80s, my folks couldn't really afford 
you know, sort of like stringed instrument or anything like that, drums, for me to, to say like join marching men at that time was maybe an $8 investment because I just needed a pair of sticks and a pad. And then the drum kit came for 50 bucks, you know? So it was just, it was too lofty of a, of a, of a thing for me and, and my family's, you know, income, you know, to have something fancier than that. Right. And I mean, once you got involved with, with punk and hardcore, I'm sure you discovered that <laughs> without a drummer, there are no bands. And so you're probably in demand uh, throughout, throughout your scene as far as like people needing a drummer, right? Oh, everybody was always looking for a drummer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you know, had some choices there, which was great, you know. I mean, the only regret that I have is that I wish, I do wish as a youth that I had learned, you know, piano or something like that, just to have those basics, because I've had to learn those as an adult. You mentioned your your time with Psychic TV. What, what was your interest in, in the band and... and Genesis Peorge's music before you joined. What was it that drew you to them? Well, I had heard Dreams Less Sweet when I was a teenager through a friend of mine in high school. And I thought the, I thought the album was really, really, really interesting. I didn't understand it. It was, I, my, my brain was still too much in rock mode at that point. So I was like, I don't understand how these things fit together. And what's this weird non-microphone? that's being carried around and being buried in coffins. And it just was like a little bit scary, but I've always been drawn to things that frighten me a little bit. I grew up with big fascination with monsters and larger than life characters and all that sort of thing. And so Genesis became this kind of mystery to me because pre-internet growing up, right? With like, there was really not, not very much information about anything. So with Genesis, yeah, I could go get a copy of Research and be freaked out by all these piercings and all that kind of stuff. But there wasn't much beyond that. And so years later, when I ended up meeting Genesis, it was like, wow, you're you're just you're a person, you know, you're not this scary thing that I had imagined in my head for all these years, you know. So that's kind of where the interest of Psychic TV came initially, because Genesis and I were friends before we ever played music together. We were actually friends for several years before we did anything. We just really enjoyed each other's company, which kind of made the band thing a lot easier to do because we were already established as friends. So that word, that relationship existed. And, you know, Psychic TV was really, our goal was to do one show. I really wanted to prove to Genesis that at that time in the early 2000s that there was still a huge amount of people out there that wanted to hear those songs and Genesis kept saying no I don't, I don't really believe that you know like how can that be true and i was like i'm asking you to trust me take the leap of faith and trust me and let me put together a band and we'll do one show and i'll show you and sure enough that show came we rehearsed for months for it I put together this great band and we only advertised by physical flyers at that time to focus. So yeah, I was really looking to sort of prove to Genesis that there, you know, people were still interested in the music of psychic TV because, you know, Genesis just felt that they had, you know, moved on from that and that people, you know, wouldn't necessarily be interested. Oh, who wants to hear Roman P and, you know, God star. And I was like, trust me, 
a lot of people do <laughs> and because we had established ourselves as friends and close friends at that the trust was there for genesis to allow me to put together a band pretty much sight unseen and said why don't you come on and see what we've got you know and so that gig took the form of a gig that was only advertised by flyers because this was the advent of myspace we still didn't have like the social media networks that we have now and huge huge snowstorm fallen on new york city on that day in 2002 i guess it was and we just thought oh no like all this effort all this work and now the show's not even going to happen took us four hours to get to the venue in Manhattan from Queens, which should be really just not more than a 45 minute drive. And as we're rolling up and trying to get through all this snow, we see 500 people <laughs> under umbrellas lined up around the corner to get into this tiny little place. And we were like, wow. So that really set the stage. And, and from there, I mean, to, the next morning, the phone was ringing and, you know, gave Genesis a couple of days to relax and then called and said, hey, I'm getting a lot of calls from publicists and booking agents and they all want to they all want us to do something like, what do you think? And we just neither one of us really expected that to happen. And we decided to go with it and we didn't stop for almost 20 years. That's great. I mean, just as an aside, I I came to this music in the 90s. And even though I was, I was more of a metal guy, Throbbing Gristle and, and Psychic TV were still names that were, you know, mentioned in, in this very reverential light. So I think it's interesting that, he, I, you know, to some extent he didn't realize the influence he had had. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think I do think it's interesting. I think Genesis always knew in terms of Throbbing Gristle, right, like the, the sort of how iconic, right, and how important and influential. I think Jen was very aware of that. I think because Psychic TV was more of Jen's heart, you know, it was a little more like, oh, you know, there's a lot of weird memories and we had a good time, but, there, you know, there was just different things that kind of happened where, you know, Jen just didn't see it as valid, I guess, in a way, until we got back out, out there, you know, with the project and, People were accepting Genesis's new blurred, blurred gender and wanting to hear new and wanting to hear old. And there was just this demand that got created. So we found out pretty quickly. And I think Genesis's confidence was, you know, really restored by that, you know. You mentioned the the visual aspect of, of rock music being appealing to you. I should mention that you are professionally a, a designer. Yes. So that was one of the reasons, you know, that... I got into it because I knew that I wanted to be an artist of some sort, but, you know, at that time, you know, you're being groomed by your, you know, your parents and your family and all this stuff. It's like, well, what are you going to do with your life? You know, what are you going to, you're going to be a fireman. You're going to be a policeman like your dad, you know, like, I don't think so. <laughs> I wanted to do something productive. Right. But I, and I didn't really feel like I could be a painter or a painter or something like that. I think it would have, I needed something a little more work oriented and graphic design just kind of turned into that thing. But it was very much a result of being told all through my youth when I'd be sitting there drawing pictures of rock bands and all this kind of stuff, people would say to me, you should make album covers. And I never thought it would be that 
simple of a thing, but that's exactly what ended up happening. <laughs> you know, the imagery for for rock music and, and specifically like punk and metal is, is such a is such a strong component of you know, even even if you go the other way and have like anti anti imagery. I remember there was a period where every hardcore album was just like, you know, a flat color, a blocky sans serif, and you know, black and white photo. Do you know what I mean? But even that kind of became its own, yeah, yeah, it, it, its own form of like, you know, I don't want to say marketing, but like you see that and you know exactly what kind of music you're going to get. Yeah, and what I find fascinating about that, you know, in in current times is that as I get as I get older and I see more and more proof that pop does eat itself and so culture is just consumed and regurgitated in a new form constantly and so what I find fascinating about all those old hardcore records too is how new bands are appropriating that style but it means something a little bit different now you know, because it's more of a style appropriation than it is the authentic nature of it. I mean, the flat colors and all that stuff had a lot to do with budget. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of on the other side of, of the tracks in terms of being a metalhead. And it's funny because there was this real like pushback against the airbrushed album covers and, you know, the fantasy art and stuff like that. And, you know, maybe 15 years ago, maybe even more, I would, I would notice teenagers, you know, and sometimes quite young as well, like, you know, just, just starting high school, <laughs> wearing the same band shirts that I wore in high school in the 90s. Yep. Um, and then it became this whole, like, revival thing where, you know, new bands were, were, were pursuing the old illustrators who did all, the, all those, like, 80s album covers. Yeah, I mean, Raymond Pettibon was, you know, an artist in his own right, but it's like, but now, you know, it's incredible. You think like, you know, he gets paid, he gets paid really well to, to do his work and his work is, is, is wonderful. You know, I do find it really fascinating present day working with like a really varied roster of artists on, on album artwork, Billy Joel being one of my you know primary clients just didn't seem like it would be a fit right with, with somebody like me, but it totally works. You know, and then you just sort of slide right right across the scale to somebody like Diamanda Galas, who I've been working with for the, almost the last five years making album covers. And it it's been it, it's been extraordinary, you know, sort of being able to have these tools of, of computers now and, you know, these sort of endless possibilities where you can really, really kind of capture what's in someone's imagination.
I'd like to jump ahead to to Scorpion T. Sure. Sorry, no pun intended, but tell me about the genesis of the band. What brought you guys together, and what were your intentions? You could have also said spill the tea. <laughs> <laughs> so the intentions of, of Scorpion T, I had, I had sort of been holding on to that name for a project for a bit, as I'm sure many people have, because it's, it's uh, the genesis of the name itself comes from Gibby Haynes of the Butthole Surfers. And in the short film Entering Texas that they made in the late 80s, a family arrives at this wayward, you know, scary road in Texas where it says family-style barbecue, and there's Gibby Haynes to greet these guests, masturbates into a frying pan, pours it into a cup, and serves scorpion tea <laughs> in Texas. I just always thought that was so hilarious and, and weird and bizarre that, like, wouldn't it be great to call a band scorpion tea? And after Genesis it was it was the pandemic you know there were so many things going on that were preventing people from getting together or, or moving forward in you know things that they wanted to do and an old buddy of mine had had a knee surgery he's from Colombia and we just you know been always good always been good friends or whatever and he's like anyway you know I'm, I'm working on a record do you want to come to Colombia and record drums on it and I checked the flight prices couldn't believe my luck that I found a round trip flight for 400 bucks. And I was like, I'm going to Columbia. And while I was there, we worked on some music and then he played me a lot of demos that he had been working on over the years. And I said, damn, this is really what I'd like to be doing musically right now to kind of take this and really run with it and make something that just sounds broken and like otherworldly. And he was willing to move back from Columbia to do that. And so there it began, and within a couple of months, we were in pre-production and flying out to LA to make this record. And we should we should say that uh, Chris Cruz is is the friend that yes. you mentioned, so, who is living in Colombia. But you described the music that that he created as broken and otherworldly, because there was something about the tones and the note choices and and structures that just. They felt familiar, but unfamiliar because he would do things like in lieu of having a bass guitar on these demos, he would lay down, he would lay down the bass with an acoustic guitar detuned. And so even though it was like pretty much in tune, there was frequencies there that just caused it to sound broken or, or like just unusual, not, not the usual fare. So while the the chord progressions and they they may be seem totally normal, they have this other kind of feel to them. And so I said to Chris, I said, "Do you want to kind of like go further with this? You know, it's like I really want to record to tape. I really want to be able to manipulate these sounds, you know, and and just have like a grand gesture, you know." And he was totally you know behind me the whole way on that. And the studio we ended up working with in Los Angeles, which is run by Thomas Dolas from a band called OCs, who are doing really well at the moment. It was all about tape and it was all about outboard effects, you know. And so we got to really kind of get in there with the grit and what we like to call kind of making things crispy around the edges. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the, the production of the album, and we can talk about 
working with Thomas Dolas in a little bit. But the production of the album is, is interesting because it's not necessarily a, a retro or throwback style, but it is very much, sorry, the, the word repudiation uh, came up on this podcast uh, a few weeks ago. And so for some reason that stuck in my head. Uh-huh. But it is like uh, a repudiation of, of some of the slicker, you know, recording and production techniques that you're hearing on a lot of post-punk and, and death rock style albums. Yeah, it was, I think that we went to that studio sight unseen. I mean, that backstory is a little bit crazy because I had been working with another label and I was committed to self self-funding to get a record out. And so the deal was sort of struck with Thomas in, in at Studio 22 in LA. And then during that, we I sort of moved away from that label and decided to go with a different label. So Thomas and I had never met before. He had only heard the demos a couple of times. So it was really sight unseen. And we had, you know, six or seven days to to really do it. And we just spent 14 to 16 a day in there, in that studio, just experimenting, 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 and then spent a good two months, you know, over the cor- over the course of two months mixing remotely. So the I would say about the the sound that you know that they were able to help create has a lot to do with you know Thomas and his his studio engineer Juju Ashworth they're kid they're really young and it was it was like wow it fascinates me that they they're so young they understand tape and outboard effects so well but i think that's also why it didn't have like a typical sound in a way because it's not the type of sound that they're used to producing at that studio. So there was sort of like some really great accidents that were also able to happen. So did you guys actually record to tape? We did, yes. And then all of that was bounced, you know, bounced digitally. So yeah, I mean that, I really, I I was very sort of hell-bent on having the warmth of tape. As you mentioned, this project started with you and Chris in Columbia working on music and then Chris I believe you said move back to New York so that you could continue working. Yes, and and you know the one thing about about me working, you know, with you on these songs is that it comes with you know it's going to come with a vocalist, and that vocalist is Anthony Diaz, who I had met a few times. We had jammed a few times together. You know, always liked Anthony. I was like, oh, that that friend of yours. Yeah, sure, that sounds great. You know, I like his voice and everything. So it was pretty much set. Once Chris arrived in New York, we kind of rolled right into rehearsing, and it was a pretty seamless transition. So between your time in Columbia and your time rehearsing with Chris in in New York, how how complete were the songs? It was four songs that that Chris had had that we agreed that we were going to utilize. And I said, I really feel like we need to go to the studio with 12. So over the course of several weeks, he wrote the rest. You know, that is the genius of him is that he's very prolific. And when he gets inspired, you usually don't just get one song, you usually get several. So that's a great advantage to working with him. And with Anthony, you get this incredibly educated person who just has a really, really strong way with words and is able to deliver a lyric that just sticks with you as far as I'm concerned. And so in a way, he's been 
know, amongst the most interesting lyricists I've ever worked with because it just there's there's always something that stuns me when I read it. Gotcha. So, twelve songs completed before you started working with Thomas. We had eleven songs in the bag. Okay. The twelfth one was written in the studio, and that's still like unclear as to where that's going to go because it sort of falls between a Scorpion T and an Edley O'Dowd track. So I'm like, not sure if it's going to go with Scorpion T or if it'll be on my next solo record. <laughs> you talked about working at Studio 22 with Thomas Dolas, and you also mentioned that Thomas is having, a, I guess, a moment. His his band, The OCs, is, is quite popular right now. Yeah. But why was Thomas the guy to do this? Because Thomas was introduced to me by the, the former label I had been working with, by the guy who was running that, they're old friends from LA. And so it was just this kind of like, yeah, I'm going to put you in touch with my friend Thomas. Didn't know about OCs, didn't know about his amazing band, Mr. Elevator in the Brain Hotel, who I'm now a huge fan of. So yeah, like I said, kind of sight unseen, there was there was no deliberate connection with, with OCs or anything like that. Right. The label put you in touch, but were you... Were you convinced that this young guy was was going to understand where you guys were coming from? I didn't know his age or anything about him until I met him in person. <laughs> okay. We had two phone calls and maybe five emails where I uploaded demos, said this is what we want to do, et cetera, et cetera. You know? So I realized that I was taking this enormous chance. I mean, not only was I funding it, but I was also, you know, like paying for my band to get on the plane and go and I was just kind of like, holy crap, I hope this doesn't be like really bomb on me, you know, like it doesn't turn out bad or something. And it went went quite the opposite. Right. We spoke a little bit about the the process of, of recording the album. Would you would you describe the sound as consciously retro, given that you were recording to tape? Well, I guess if we're talking, I mean, are we talking about sound like the, the the overall feel of it, or are we talking about the sound itself? Like the Scorpion T sound. Well, let's 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 take that in two parts. Would you say that Scorpion T's music is a throwback to to maybe an older style? I think that there's elements of older style, but like I said before about pop will eat itself, right? That the idea of taking these older styles, you know, assume and you know, regurgitating in new ways. So, you know, it's 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 not it, it doesn't go over my head that there's things on this record that sound a lot like Christian death, you know, but those are moments rather than, you know, something that we're, that I, that I, I don't feel like we're aping anybody. Right. We're sort of taking the things that we love and kind of putting them in a blender. Because you'll also find on the record too, there's, you know, stuff that brought from, from Latin America, you know, there's reggaeton influences and, you know, but just in, in little glimpses rather than, kind of like laden with them. So in you know in talking about the you know, Scorpion T, it's like the the influences that are are in it are so varied. And I was saying, you know, earlier that it doesn't go over my head that there are, you know, moments where it'll really sound like Christian death or somebody'll say, oh, I really hear killing joke in this. You know, sometimes it's deliberate and a lot of times it's not, because what ends up happening or what I felt has happened with me being the age that I am, having lived all this goth and post-punk the first time, I'm really coming from that place. And Chris and Anthony are significantly younger, and they're kind of coming from a different place where 
they didn't grow up with this the same music that I did. And so the combination becomes then what I consider to be something kind of unique because it's not driven by, by one thing, you know? Now, as far as the production of the album, we spoke about recording to tape, which is almost obsolete now in terms of recording. Would you say that the sound of the album is, is a throwback in any regard? No, I think that the idea of using tape was really more about you know, being able to create an atmosphere and not that it would necessarily be vintage, but I do, my ears are sort of attuned a little bit to the sharpness of digital and how grating it can be. And I feel with tape, there's a lot more air and it kind of creates a space that you can walk through. And I feel like that was also very integral for Anthony and his lyrics because there's storytelling and there's different voices being used and having the warmth of tape and this ability to create an atmosphere, I felt really benefited him in his delivery.
So the album is coming out through Give Take. Tell me about the label, because I'm actually, I've never heard of them before now. Yeah, I, I to be honest, I hadn't heard of them before either. And it was through this publicist that I work with. And Scorpion T was, you know, I had, we had just, I think I had just come back from LA from the initial recording. And so I was talking to him and I was like, I think this record's going to be fantastic. Like, who do you think should put it out, you know? Because in the past, I like with Psychic TV, I had started my own label. And so I was kind of in control of all of that. Never really had to think about anybody to put something out other than distri distribution. So my publicist actually brought up the idea of Give Take. And he said he had worked with them before and that they had never really had a rock band. And so I thought this would be an interesting opportunity to see how a label that maybe kind of deals with goth and, and you know, like that, that sort of thing from more of an electronic perspective, what would happen if they handled it from a rock perspective? And so I've, it's been really fun on all accounts because both the band and the label have been super open to kind of like, let's just create. And so they've been, you know, I, I kind of feel like it's, it's very much a, it's sort of a mix of all the parts, you know, label and band. I mean, somehow the publicist for an electronic label handled a, a goth rock band and you guys ended up on a death metal podcast. <laughs> but the thing, I mean, but Chris and Anthony, they don't know about this interview yet, but death metal podcast, they are going to be so stoked. Because <laughs> those guys, I mean, the two of them, you know, they've, they've worked together for 20 years as like songwriter, lyricist, and they had a whole, there's a whole death metal project that they've done that we're actually considering revisiting and, and laying new drums on with me. But yeah, so they're going to be super psyched that I'm speaking with you. Hopefully they'll they'll like this interview and we can we can speak some more about it. Yeah. So by the time people hear this episode, Scorpion T's self-titled debut will be out by Give Take. Edley, what's the best way to get the album? Well, once the album's out, because the album's available for pre-order now through give.take.life. That is the URL you follow. From there, it will take you to Bandcamp or Amazon or Apple or whatever, you know, wherever it is you choose to buy your music, whether it's digital or pre-ordering the LP. After the 27th, once the album's out, it will be available through, again, give.take.life and in many record stores as well. And if you're listening overseas, you can go through Rough Trade or your local distributors and ask for it because it does have distribution. Some, some We do have some worldwide distribution going on. Tell me about the, the physical formats that GiveTake is, is putting out. Physical formats that GiveTake is, is putting out is vinyl with a beautifully foil stamped cover. I mean, I, I really wanted to make this, you know, design this packaging to be kind of epic. And it's simple, but it's it's got this kind of timelessness to it as well that I really, I really like. So there's going to be the LP that's coming out on random colored vinyl. So you you order a copy and you won't know what color you get until you open it, as well as something called a dig your own grave pass, which is a small coffin that houses a credit card style download card. And if you've been with us on this journey the whole time, you would be getting fed brand new singles and videos to your card, you know, every month or so. And so like a constant rolling out of content. 
So those are the two physical products that Give Take has put out. So the the Dig Your Own Grave Pass is, is different from a subscription or a Patreon or anything like that because it's a one-time purchase, but you get constant new content. Is that correct? Yes, up and up until the release of the album. So oh, okay. the the card the pass doesn't get you the album itself, but rather singles and video and the videos that are released, as well as other content that wasn't available anywhere else. So over the winter, I was recording, you know, recording us in rehearsal rooms and editing that stuff, also that people with the past could see our progression. So just because I feel like making record collectors crazy, <laughs> uh, tell me more about the the random colors for the vinyl, uh, how, how many they're limited to and what their chances are of, of getting all of them. I really, I wouldn't be able to say, because what's what's interesting about the random color process is that back with Psychic TV, when I was running our label, Angry Love Productions, because I was actually in the driver's seat of having things manufactured, and then I was also packaging them as well. So I would get the, these boxes of records, open them up, and you'd see this mouth-watering array of color combinations. With Scorpion T, I didn't have that advantage. So I'm only seeing the colors that were you know, on, on like copies of the vinyl that were open. So there's hundreds where we don't know what the color is going to be, which I think is. <laughs> so basically you're saying eBay. Right. But with the, with, you know, but with the psychic TV thing, you know, because like I said about manufacturing that vinyl and like, I knew how much, how many variables and people started to catch on how many variables they were, there were people would order 10 copies. at a time. <laughs> <laughs> The real hardcore collectors would really literally order 10 copies. And I'm like, I love that. You know, I don't like the, the post, you know, the post retail that can happen. You know what I mean? Cause I also don't think that's fair, but you know, it is what it is, but it was, it was always really encouraging, you know, to get these correspondences with people wanting like every possible mutation. We spoke about the, the soul album forward that you put out at the beginning of the year. Uh, mm -hmm. Do you have any more music planned for that? I do. I'm, I'm currently working. I've been working sort of on the side all year, you know, for short periods at a time, just sort of collecting material, you know, spend a few days editing and just keep things moving along. But with my solo work, I've decided to take a step in another direction and start working with vocalists. And I'm seeing some really, really amazing results that I'm looking forward to sharing with the world. Hard to say what the end result is going to be like in terms of an album vibe, but it's definitely quite different from what I did on Forward. Very cool. If people want to follow you online, either your your visual artwork or uh, your music, what's the best way to do that? Best way to follow me is Edley, E-D-L-E-Y, O-Dowd, O-D-O-W-D. And that name is used on all social media platforms. To follow Scorpion T, we are on all socials as Scorpion T Time, because Scorpion T was taken. So you just have to add that T-I-M-E at the end, and you'll fo find us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Is there anything else you want to say? No, I think that's I think that's good. Did, did I answer all your questions? Yeah, absolutely.
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.